Listen to this. Zakawani, the flying winger. Here's Brad Evans. It's Steve. It's Steve. Who is it? It's Brad Evans. <laughs> Happy days are here again. Turning with a drive. It's Steve Zakawani. Evans with the left foot. He's an attacking threat, Brad Evans. This is so weird. The party has started. Hey, what's up, Sounders fans? Welcome to another episode here of Side by Side. Sounders facing a really big one this weekend. One of the toughest tests you can get in MLS right now. In LAFC, the defending champions come into town. Um, Apple TV will be there. And I'm delighted to say that the two men that will be calling the game for Apple, um, Taylor Torman, Jake Zivin, both with me right here. And we're going to talk about this game. We'll talk all things MLS, all things Apple. Uh, but before we get into all of that, first of all, guys, just how are you guys doing? Doing great. Doing great, Steve. Yeah, man. Can't wait to get up to Seattle. What a game this weekend, huh? Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. Obviously, you know, I'm going to be biased here for a long time where Seattle came into the league, set the standard, you know, won so many things. And it was on the pitch and off the pitch as well. But it's tough to deny what LAFC are doing as well. I mean, it's a really good team. And they're sort of on their second incarnation already. They had a Bob Bradley era. That ended, and now you got you know you got Steven there, and he's doing a tremendous job. Just give me sort of your bird's eye view overall, how you view this matchup. I'm with you. Look, it, it's the defending Concacaf Champions League champions against the defending MLS Cup champions. I agree. I think when you look at the big picture history of MLS, like both of these teams represented inflection points and changes in the league. Seattle came in at the time, showing what an expansion team could do, making the playoffs. Every year and until last year, of course, winning the Open Cup. Uh, and then LAFC, to me, kind of took it to another level with Atlanta United as well, coming in with this big-time roster uh, and right from the start, again, succeeding, winning a supporter shield in, in its second year. So these are two giants in MLS, and they've continued that. I think Seattle's probably back this year, right? I think last year was an anomaly. LAFC is clearly, as we've seen through just four games, all competitions, at the level. So man, to me, this is the biggest match so far of, of the MLS season. It is. Yeah. First, first off, Steve, just we need the Sounders listeners to understand that I'm only on this podcast because Brad is playing tennis or he's (laughs) watching a tennis match. Like, Something to do with tennis. Fill the Sounders. Yeah, we gotta fill the fans, the listeners. Like, where is Brad right now? I have no idea. Where he's somewhere in his airstream, I'm sure. And he, wherever he is, there was some kind of tennis game, and you got tickets last minute. So I'll find out. I'll find out. You guys are gonna get me in trouble more than Brad. By the way, I'm gonna get in more trouble than him. So nah, nah, Brad's good. He knows. Uh, now what? What what do for those of us here in Seattle who are sort of you know hyper focused on Seattle, and you know we have a understanding of maybe what other good teams are doing what do lafc do so well like why are they so good it seems like they score three or four goals every game they do steve um i think there's an identity by which they want to play right so they know before the game starts exactly what they want to do this started with bob bradley yeah and and i think steve tarundolo deserves more credit than he gets because i understand you have talent But once you take over the job and you've already taken over a job that the identity has been set, whether you've been successful or not, the players in the rosters were built around this identity of players. And then John Thornton went out and got some MLS experience with Ilya Sanchez and Ryan Hollingshead and Kellen Acosta. But the identity has never changed. They're going to be on the front foot. They're going to dominate games with their 
either pressure or possession. Now under Steve Torundolo, it's way more pressure than it is possession, where with Bob, they wanted to dictate the game with the ball. Steve, I just find LAFC as a neutral enjoyable to cover because there's very few teams in this league where all the roster mechanisms and the salary caps, you get a lot of similarities between teams and how they want to go about their business. LAFC is very unique. They're not scared every six months to throw it against the wall and bring in seven or eight new players. So it's an enjoyment. It's enjoyable to cover, but it's also enjoyable to cover against Seattle because they've been the known quantity. Since MLS started to expand, Seattle's been yeah. they, Seattle's been the upper echelon. They've done it. They did it every single year. Last year, I get it. They didn't make the playoffs, but they were still successful. They still won the <laughs> yeah. Concacaf Champions League. Like. Like, it's amazing to think, oh, no, Seattle's playoff streak. Well, okay, but they went to the FIFA yeah. Club World Cup. So they still had success. I know Schmetzer would tell you they didn't. I just love this game, always have, from the moment LAFC came into this league. I did their first game, guess where it was, in yeah. Seattle, because LAFC in the league wanted to say, if you want to be the next great expansion team, you're going to have to outdo this. And there's a real good argument. They've been up to that challenge. They have been. And Taylor, I want to follow up with you on this because I know you had a chance to speak to um, you know, Gareth Bell when he was saying things like that. But I don't want to talk about Bell. I want to talk about the coach, Steve Chirindolo. Um, He has had no problem benching big names. Like, you know, yeah. Gareth Bell's been on the bench. He really took his time with Chiellini. There's been 10 games with Carlos Vela's on the bench. I mean, they had one of the best forwards in all of MLS last season. He's no longer there now. And so he's made big decisions. Um, is, is it him? Does he have the backing of the ownership? Like, why is he able to tell Gareth Bale, you're going to be on the bench, or Christian Taylor, whoever it is, big names, where we've seen historic in MLS where the big names, at times you make exceptions, and he seems to be team first, and whether you're Carlos Vela, Gareth Bale, if this game doesn't need you, you won't play. Steve, it's a great conversation. Look, Aaron Long was the biggest free agent signing in MLS. He's barely playing. Now, granted, he plays in the CONCACAF Champions League games. Yeah. Some of it is easy for Steve to navigate because they've got a ton of games. Yeah. So as an ex-player, he can then say to the players, listen, I'm managing your minutes. I'm doing what you can. But I knew something was awry when Steve Trundolo looked me in the eye before LALA last summer and said, yeah, Chicho Arango, we think we're going to move him. And I looked around with like, <laughs> what, you mean move him to the other side of the field? Like, what are you talking about? Move, the guy's got 30 goals in, what, 20 games? It was a ridiculous number. Steve, I, I've known him since I was 16. i played with him since I was 16. He was never shy when he needed to to tell you how he felt. I think he's gone about being a manager the exact same way. I think the Gareth Bales and the Chiellinis respect the fact that he was open with them right from the beginning, it's also easier to tell a 38-year-old Chiellini you're not going to play every game because Chiellini's body's going to tell yeah. him that. But it's more so sitting Vela. It's more so Boanga. It's more so Aaron Long and Murillo and now Hugh and all these other guys that, quite frankly, Steve, on any other MLS team, they'd start and play 90 minutes for any other game. Yeah. No, it's a great point there. Uh Jake, let's talk a bit about the broadcaster side of things. Obviously, you, you know, we spoke a little bit right before we started recording here. Um, you were, you know, an MLS fan following the league, but you were focused on one team. Right. And now you're sort of, you know, coming away from that to sort of do the league in general. How's that sort of changed your approach to things? Or has it maybe not changed much at all? 
Yeah, it, it changes a little bit on a week to week basis, right? Like for all of us that were the local voices of of one team primarily in the past years, yeah, your, your prep is going to be more focused on the opponent that week because it, you're you know your team, so to speak, the team that yeah. you call and have been calling for years. So, well, you're updating the stats for for your local team, but for the most part, the prep is heavy on the other, and and in this way, the prep is heavier on both. But uh, again, as you said, Steve, for me, like I grew up. In Chicago, I grew up a diehard Chicago Fire fan. I worked for the league when I was in college and interned there. So sorry about that. <laughs> hey, I know you broke my heart many times, Taylor, in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, so, like, my focus has always been on on the league as a whole, right? And I've always loved this league, and I was always, you know, glued to MLS Live as it was known back in the day on Saturdays. And so, for me, this has been a dream to to go around the country and to call a different game every week. It changes the mechanics of it, of yeah. course, but um, you know, I, I love it and. And look, this game, Seattle LAFC, like how many Sounders games have I called over the past eight, nine years, whether it be in Tucson in front of a thousand people where it's all 40 players. We've called those together, Steve, right? Yeah. Sounders joint broadcasts and you're going deep into the S2 and T2 and Academy guys. And so, yeah, man, I'm, I'm loving it. And, um, it's, it's been great. No, I love that. And listen to a couple of you guys' calls already. It's really good. I think the fans are in for a treat this weekend. Um, mm-hmm. Taylor, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. I know you probably won't like this. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. But I think... Oh, you know, come on. You know, you know I don't sit on the fence, Steve. I've never <laughs> sit on the fence. No, I think we can talk about, you know, the Aaron Long, all this kind of stuff and these big off-season signings. Probably one of the biggest signings in soccer in this country took place off the pitch. I mean, you've been a staple in our homes ESPN, I mean, you've been so associated with that, sort of like um, giving us the pulse of you know, the domestic game mm-hmm. with the national team and things like that. I remember when I met you before the 2009 draft. Um, agent at yep. the time, Rich Motskin, brought you in to talk to us for a nice dinner in St. Louis. We were there. And, you know, and since then, following you, everything you've done, again, I've always said this, if you didn't have the injuries, I think you would have broken quite a few records. I think your, your strike rate was phenomenal, of course. But... You've been such a staple and a powerful voice here, and you made the switch. So for you, what was the mm-hmm. thinking there? Was it just time for a change? And how are you liking this move now, being with a completely different new company? First off, I love the move uh, because, as I use the word unapologetically, it's the first time in MLS's history, Steve, that they are aligned with a media partner that has the same ambition, the same energy, and even more resources than anyone else to try to grow this thing at the level that they want to grow at. And I think when you're talking about it, and it's funny you mentioned it, you and I were in St. Louis, the fact that now they're in this league, Cincinnati, Nashville, Austin, and all of these, Charlotte, all of these places that if I would have told you when you were in Akron that they were going to have (laughs) 35,000 on average at Charlotte, you would have looked at me and said, dude, you're out of your mind. No way. Like that, that's just, that's the reality of the situation. When, when I was reading the tea leaves and seeing where this league's going, where the world cup's coming in 2026 and my former employer just wasn't really engaged with that Mm -hmm. process. I think it made the decision hard to separate, but not that hard because my passion has always been aligned with this sport, this league. And so, honestly, it's been great. It's unfortunate for Jake that he's got to travel with me. He's only <laughs> two weeks in. So so if you do this podcast maybe six weeks from now, I think Jake may be 
declining the podcast because he's got a lunch or he's got to get tea with his or, real or, friends but... or a tennis match or something like that <laughs> <laughs> no but steve it's been good it's uh it's funny steve like this league when i saw you come out of akron and we were in st louis missouri yeah. and now we are doing a podcast together where st louis has sixty thousand people total yeah. on a season ticket wait list my man, that wasn't happening when you were an actor. No. So like this no. thing just this thing's fun, man. This thing's yeah. a lot of fun. No, it's been unbelievable. So yeah, where if you, if you can take this one, like is of course without saying this is the best place the league has ever been in. I mean, I look at I mean, I feel like I was just playing recently, but it's almost a doubled in teams since I stopped. Like go up to I think yes. I, I played at like 15, 16 teams and now you know we're um, almost doubled. So in general, for MLS, where is this league at? And sort of like, you know, we spoke about Seattle and LAFC. Give me a couple other teams that you think belong in that conversation to sort of the teams that do it right Ooh. and are in that upper echelon. Or are those two quite clear at this point? Because, you know, Atlanta's had a few lean years. Galaxy, I don't know what they once were. Where do you kind of see the hierarchy? I know the Timbers have been successful recently too with Seattle. But Seattle, LAFC, massive matchup. Who else sort of belongs in that conversation? Or could one day. Jake's got to get off stuff. the fence. Jake can answer that one. I know, I know. <laughs> oh, man, I'm, look, to, I'll go a slightly different way and then come back to it. But you mentioned yeah. when you played and yeah. you came into the league. Like, when you came into the league, I feel like Seattle and then Portland yes. changed MLS because all of a sudden you had these two clubs that were relevant in their markets. And it was kind of this novelty of how relevant Seattle and Portland were in their markets with their downtown stadiums. And for, for a while that they were kind of like the unicorns up in the Pacific Northwest. And that's why for me being able to call Timbers matches as a guy who grew up going to, you know, traveling around MLS, going to Robertson stadium and, you know, Rice Eccles and yeah. Spartan stadium, like, Naperville, Naperville. Exactly. <laughs> right. Like I, I go to the, the high school state championships in Cardinal stadium in Naperville. And then the fire are playing there the next week. It's like, hold on. Right. Um, And, and to go from that to now having, Providence Park and Lumen Field. It was incredible. Yeah. So I was just to be able to be associated with a club like the Portland Timbers and call those games every week was amazing. And it was still, it still kind of felt unique up in the Pacific Northwest. And now it's not as much, right? You've got mm -hmm. so many markets, so many clubs that have come into the league that are relevant, that feel like they resonate within the city that when you go for a run, the morning of a game around Austin on Lady yeah. Bird Lake, um, you see Austin FC gear everywhere. St. Louis, obviously, as Taylor said, Charlotte getting over 30,000 a game. Atlanta, of course, LAFC, Nashville. You can go on and on. And so to me, that's where the league has really changed is, is having all these markets where, where it's relevant. Now on the field, yeah, certainly, right? Seattle, LAFC. I think Atlanta's back. We did their game in Charlotte. I, I feel confident that this year they're going to be back to where, you know, a contender in the East, are they going to be as dominant as they were with Almiron and Joseph? I, that, that was a, a different level, right? Mm -hmm. So hard to get back there, but, but I think they're back Philadelphia, what they've done on the field yeah. the past several years, I think they deserve to be in that conversation as well. And yeah, those are, you know, Philly, LAFC, Seattle to me right now on the field over the past several years, maybe that, that top tier, you know, New York city, Portland, mm. I, they were in the 2021 MLS Cup. You maybe could have put them in that level yep. then. But a year plus later, are they? Yeah. I don't know. So that those would be my kind of that top tier. I would throw the yeah. one wild card yeah. to Jake. Yeah, I think Jake hit the nail on the head with all the teams. I do think FC Cincinnati is going to have something to yeah. say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, I And it's not recent bias. I said this before the season started. I think Dominic Kinnear's a perfect supplement to Kenny Arena and Pat Noonan and then Chris Albright. They all have something yeah. to prove. They all got a chip on their shoulder. They yeah. didn't play great, but they played good enough to beat Seattle. Do yeah. I think they're in that level yet? No. But I think they could be in the conversation, one, because they don't have all the other competitions to deal with, which is why I think Seattle – could make a real run for the supporter shield again. It's just, I, I think Cincinnati, but Steve, to answer your question, and this mm-hmm. isn't because I'm on the Seattle podcast. Yeah. There's two moments where this league changed forever. When Toronto came into the league and Seattle fans don't want to know this, but for those of us that played in this league, the first Toronto game that you played in, there was beer, there was alcohol, there was young professionals. It wasn't a family environment. Yeah. It changed the way yep. I used to play when you showed up at Arrowhead or you mm. showed up at Giant Stadium or you showed up at Soldier Field. It was more family-oriented. That was not. Mm. And then naturally, you know this because I'm an NASL baby, but my father talked about Cascadia in the NASL days. The first time Seattle, Portland, and Vancouver were in the MLS way and in the MLS circle, I think that's where – it got really, really interesting. I get Atlanta. I get LAFC. I get all of those cons- those conversations. But Toronto and Seattle, when in Cascadia, when those two moments mm-hmm. happened, that's when I think this league, everybody was like, wait a minute. This is not the one that, that, that Jake grew up on, the one yeah, that I played yeah. in, the one that you were aspiring to play yeah. in. This was different, man. Toronto was unlike anything this league had ever seen. And then obviously Seattle, Portland, Vancouver were like, wait a minute, we've been doing this since 1972. (laughs) Just let us do this in the MLS circles. And then they did. And then naturally Atlanta and LAFC become the sexy new ones. Yeah. But it was just a, a new version of what Seattle, Portland, and Toronto were already doing. Yeah. That's a great shout. You said Toronto. My first ever away game in MLS was up in Toronto and unbelievable atmosphere i mean it was like nothing else that's a really really great show it's still great right i didn't give them enough credit yeah. when i went through my, my i think because they struggled on the field for so yeah. long you know that maybe that faded a, that perception yeah. of them faded oh it did for sure jake yeah. they were ter- they were terrible for seven <laughs> years it's why i scored, it, it's right. the only reason why i scored goals we played them five times <laughs> <a> year. <laughs> that's great all right guys let's bring it to saturday um where do you see this game being won and lost and what do both teams need to do to try and win that's a good one, bud. Um, I'll start just real quick. I think I, I love Seattle when Jao Paulo is playing versus when Seattle, he's not playing. I think he's the metronome. I think it's a different team. Yeah. I think there's a different energy within the team. Um, and yet in saying that, I still think even with him back, I think LAFC caused problems. I think if they turn them over and they high press, which they've shown that, all the analytics will tell you, that they're one of the best teams in the league turning you over. We saw what Cincinnati did against Seattle that ultimately turned into a goal. That's where this game's going to be won. If Seattle uses possession and uses Jao Paulo in the right way and they avoid those bad turnovers, I think we got ourselves a fun afternoon in Seattle. If they can't do that, I think you just play into the hands of LAFC and then it could be a long afternoon. But I think this is the best game if you ask me the first six months of MLS regular season 2023, it's going to be the games these two teams play because I think they're operating at a different level, and that includes Philadelphia. 
Yeah, look, I'll leave the kind of analysis and the breakdown to to you two guys, but I'm I'm curious to see how LAFC handles a fifth game in, in 15 days. The roster seems set up for yep. that. There's no doubt about it. They rotated a little bit in these first four. I think only four players started all four, but um, still there, there's a lot of you know minutes on, on these legs early, right? And it's still early in the season. So what they look like dealing with that last night uh, as we talk on, on Thursday, maybe a little more difficult than they expected. They they dominated Agreed. that game against El Hulense, but but because they couldn't get a goal and El Hulense gets two, now all of a sudden yeah. there's some nervy moments, right? So um, that to me, yeah, is is what I'd be looking at for LAFC. But man, they look good, right? They look good against New England. It wasn't even in the attack; like New England couldn't really do much offensively yeah. at all. So yeah. um, man, I, I, I'm I'm looking forward to the match. And I also think McCarthy's a question mark, Steve. I think McCarthy, from LAFC's perspective, I'm not totally sold that he's a goalkeeper the way Cropo is for them. Yeah. And eventually, if you can test him and test that back line, you can find chances against LAFC. They, they're not shy of that. Um, five games in 15 days early on in this season is going to be a real test. And on turf in the afternoon, I still think Seattle's favored to win this game, if you ask me. Yeah, should definitely be a fascinating one here. A couple more for you guys here for the Seattle fans. Um, I asked Brian Schmetz recently, I said, you know, you're looking at, you know, Ladero sort of trying to have a bounce back season. Wasn't his best last season. Raul starting to get a few more injuries at this point. JP was out for a long time. Is this sort of this team's window to have to win now? And he said he disagrees. He goes, no, we've locked in Jordan Morris. We've locked in Christian Rodon. We've now locked in Nuhu. Like, Take out Ladero and Diaz. We have guys that can play free four more. He says, like, I reject that. This is not the last window. I still think it is. I still think this team has a finite window as the, this core to win. Steph Fry's getting up there as well. Schmetzer disagrees. From the outside, how do how is Seattle viewed in terms of the long term? I find it interesting that Schmetzer agreed with you by by giving you a different answer. He said, <laughs> yeah, we, we re-up, but he named the five guys that you didn't mention. <laughs> So, like, listen, Schmetzer's one of the best. I love him. I will talk to him for hours. Um, I think he deserves more credit than what he's done in Seattle. But if you're telling me right now that this group isn't done and you take out Ladero and you take out Rui Diaz, then what 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 I I oh, fair, you can have Jordan Morris, you can have New Who, and you can have Christian Roldan. But the game changers and the ones that have single-handedly changed the complexion of Seattle Sounders MLS franchise is Rui Diaz in the playoffs, who's arguably one of them the best big goals, big game goal scorers this league's ever seen. And Nico Ladero has been one of the best players ever. So you lose those two. Okay. Schmetzer's going to have to convince me, Steve, who's coming in for that. And I do think you're right. I think this is the last run for this group. I get Jordan. I get Christian. I get Nuhu. They're going to still be there. But I'm going to be stunned if Rui Diaz is there, if he still has an indifferent year. He only played 18 games last year. And if you look at the way Ladero's on and off, I still appreciate his pursuit of space and everything. But at some point, he's going to run himself into the ground. Jake, I don't know if you agree with me, but it, it, yep. it'd be hard to really fathom that this group gets another run next year without some big changes. Yeah, whether it's, you know, next year, it does feel like it's it's coming to an end. Look, you've got your three DPs are all reaching their mid-30s. And I think the most difficult thing in sports, any sport, is how to replace your superstars and at what point to do it, right? And 
Like it, Seattle's yep. going to have to, at some point, replace Nico Ladero, replace Raul Ruiz Diaz, replace even, even Jao Paulo. And, and how they do that is, is going to, you know, to me, uh, set the path forward into kind of the next iteration of the Seattle Sounders. Taylor mentioned it with LAFC, how they, they just turn over, right? Like every six months, they're not afraid to do that. Um, it's, you know, I'm not suggesting Seattle churn like that with, with this core that's been so good, but it does feel, I agree with you, Steve, like this is the final act, whether it be, you know, we're not talking like, you know, the last dance sort of, sort of thing for this season, but it does feel like it at some point soon, it, it relatively soon, it's going to come to an end and how they do that's going to be fascinating. Right. I mean, Ladero Taylor, you mentioned, I mean, he, we, I think we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, Taylor, like he, he changed Seattle. He brought them to being a championship team when he came in in 2016, right? Like to me, that was the piece that did it. Um, and you're going to have to replace him at, at some point, right? And Rui Diaz. Oh, like, I don't know if there's a striker over the past five, six years that would, that would strike fear in defenders more than him in this league on a consistent basis. You just watch him and he's so impressive. Um, so yeah, how they do yeah. that, how they navigate that is to me going to be the story of the next kind of like couple of seasons for Seattle. But to, to say that, that like, you know, it's, it's it this year or even that, you know, it's beyond right. That they can't do it again this year. I, I don't, I don't think is fair, but it's going to happen at some point in the next few seasons. Yeah, no, excellent points. Agree with both of you guys there. A big one this weekend, Sounders, LAFC, um, Jake and Taylor will both be in the building. I think I told you guys I'll be next door to you guys. So I'll be sure to say hello. Healy, you want to give out the broadcast info so that everyone can tune in to watch these two? Yes, we are on Watch Free on Apple TV. So we are in front of the paywall, which is very exciting. And we are also on Network Fox. So you can tune in on Fox or, I mean, I don't know why you would want to listen to these guys instead on Apple TV. So make there sure you, you uh, check out Apple TV. Just a little sucking up there. Yeah, we're looking forward to it, guys. All right, guys, really appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on. Looking forward to seeing you both this weekend. I'll stop by the booth to say hello. Excited to see you guys, man. Peace.